time sure flies when you're having fun because we're back again for next week's episode with Ro- the Robin Graham. And I'm sorry, <laughs> I'm sorry I make fun of you so much about the Robin Graham, but I do appreciate the fact that you are defining yourself clearly against any other Robin Graham out there. I thought the why in Robin was enough, but evidently not. There appear to be other Robin Grahams. Yes, remarkably so. It, I found it very hard to believe myself, but what can I say? There are. Last week, we talked about the fact that one of the key things of branding is differentiation. If there are more than one Robin Graham in the world, uh, you certainly have to differentiate yourselves from them. And you have to do it in multiple places if you're active on social media. Mm -hmm. Are you active on, well, let me ask you this question this way. What social media channels are you active on? And what are your handles for those channels? Well, I'm going to make it very easy for you because I am the Robin Graham everywhere. And that includes Instagram, LinkedIn, Twitter, Pinterest. What am I missing? Facebook. Am I missing anything? I think that, oh, I guess TikTok, which I don't really use that much. But yes. Well, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I, I say this as a podcaster. I say this as a podcast marketer. I say this as someone who wants to give you the value for coming on my podcast, because guess what? I'm going to put your tags in my show notes and stuff like that, unless you have five different tags for five different channels. And I'm going to get frustrated after searching, Are is this the right Robin Grant? And your photo doesn't look like you? And, and oh, forget it. If you make it easy for me, I will be pleased as punch to promote you across every social channel that I engage with. But if you don't make it easy for me, I'm just like everybody else in the market, which is, you make things hard. I'm not going to deal with you. You've reconciled your handles across all channels. And I, I wrote about that in, I think, my first book about why I did that and why I didn't do it initially. Why didn't I do it initially? Because I thought everybody knew that I was Pikachu 492. <laughs> no, they don't. Reconcile. And by the way, my handles are at DP Knuton everywhere because I am the only DP Knuton. <laughs> I will say that. And believe me, I think the world's happier because of that. <laughs> but anyway, let's let's talk about your journey a little bit more from doctor of pharmacy to professional photographer to personal branding, brand strategist, coaching, and things like that. You mentioned last week that a lot of the decisions were, or put it this way, as a writer, you would say the inciting incident. What was the inciting incident that caused you to go from a six-figure career in, in pharmacy to become a pro photographer and then become a brand strategist? You mentioned last week family life was a key thing. Mm -hmm. Was it the key thing or were there other things in the mix as well? No, that was the key thing. I think I mentioned this last week, maybe briefly, but our oldest son was starting to show signs of anxiety. And I did not want him to have to live with anxiety the way I had lived with anxiety. And so I felt the need to, and, and my husband too, we felt the need to shift our priorities and make sure that we were making things at home as 
easy, smooth sailing and consistent as possible. And I needed to be more present, having to meet deadlines, working in the evenings. Yes, we had dinner every night together. I mean, sometimes my husband was at home because he was traveling, but for the most part, like the kids and I at least had dinner every night together. But when I'm rushing to get them to practice and then having to come home and work, bedtime was rushed or either bedtime was rushed or I was staying up late to get everything done or meet the deadlines I needed to meet. And then I was lacking sleep, which means when mom's tired, (laughs) then mom's not happy. She's cranky and irritable. And so that was not a good thing. And so to make it so that our family life was what I felt like it should be, I wanted to, I was eager to take that step back. And honestly, with the work that I was doing as a medical writer, there were so many regulatory and legal challenges that were starting to come up in the pharmaceutical industry that the ability to be creative with writing was stripped away. And because, as I said last week, you know, I'm a strategic thinker, but I'm also very creative. And I didn't want to just write and reverbage package inserts. I wanted to be creative with how I educated patients or educated doctors or you know, managed care companies related to a drug or a product. So I would say that probably summarizes why I made that shift. It was, yes, personal in the regards that I I wasn't as happy doing what I was doing, but most importantly, it was so that we could give our family the stability it needed. Yeah, you know what? I love that you, you mentioned it that way because it really illustrates another concept that I think people need to understand, especially when creating that truly authentic, genuine, true personal brand that you should be wanting to create. And that is knowing what your yardstick is. How do you measure success and love and passion and the quality of your life? A lot of people, especially, unfortunately, younger people, are all about the ducats. They're all about the Benjamins. You know, they they want the money. They want the fat stacks of cash on the Lamborghini and all that stuff. And then, I don't know, as you get older, you start to realize, you know what? Yes, you have to have a certain amount of money to be happy in this life. There's no doubt about that. But recent psychological studies or sociological studies, I can't remember who did it, but Uh, it basically came out that what's the optimum amount of money a person can make in their life to achieve max happiness. That number is somewhere between 70 and $80,000. Anything above that. And you're trying to catch up to the people who are a little bit ahead of you, anything below that. And you're living on subsistence almost. But if you're making that 70 to $80,000, you're not getting a new car every year. You're not getting a new car every two years you might be driving the same car like I am for 10 years because my yardstick is not my car. I don't define myself by the the quality or style of my car, as everyone in my neighborhood will actually agree with. But you know what I mean? But that's not my yardstick because my yardstick is much more like yours, which was, I want to be present for my children. I want to really create a family that, frankly, I didn't have And I wanted any challenges of the past in the family I grew up with to end with me. Now, I'm sure you just talked to my daughters and they will tell you I have ruined them, you know, personally in so many different ways, I'm sure, because that's called parenting. But I will say that everything about my life 
has been exactly aligned with not only my life, but my wife's life, our life. And I'm not going to say it's all unicorns and butterflies, but I will say that we are in agreement that this is the way we want to live our life. And now our daughters are going to college. One's already out of college, which blows my flipping mind. Where did that time go? And the answer is, it always goes super fast, but boy, Mm -hmm. my yardstick said, take advantage of the time you have with them now because you'll never forget it and they won't either. And here's the thing. I read Harry Potter to each of them. They think I read every page of every book to them. I don't think I did. Doesn't matter. In their minds, I did all the voices and I did all the, the excitement and I made scary parts scary and I made funny parts funny. And I'm going to hope that my, again, they're all daughters, and I'm, I hope sometime, because this is my yardstick too, I hope if they are blessed with children, that in the back of their minds, they're going, I can't wait till my dad reads my kids Harry Potter, because I'm going to sit in the hallway while, they, while he does it, and I'm going to, with my mom, and we're going to drink wine while he reads to my kids. <laughs> I hope, I pray, that is my yardstick right uh-huh. there. And that's the stuff I align my personal brand around as well. Because if I came off like a hard charging sales guy, that would be absolutely misaligned with who I actually am. Yeah. And I think, you know, DP, you said so many things there that resonate with me as well, that I don't care what someone else has. Like, it doesn't matter to me. I just need enough that we can all be happy. I can provide for my kids. We can put them through college. We have been abundantly blessed and I'm grateful for that. But to be able to adhere to my values like you've done was so important to me, like to be able to read my kids every single night for as long as they would let me do that was invaluable. Like I would not trade that for the world nothing else really matters when you are aligning yourself to what is important. And again, we come all the way back to what we talked about last week, and that is your values. And what are your values? Your values should be at the core of your personal brand, because those are what are going to define your purpose along with your visions and your passions. And they are what people are going to recognize in you. They're the basis of your differentiating yourself. They're what makes you unique. You know, hundreds of people are out there doing what you do. I mean, look at us. We're both in the personal branding space, but we both work with people in different ways, on different levels, and we have unique properties and things that we stand for in the way, you know, in our what, our why, our who, our where, our how that are different. So those people that we're meant to serve are going to be attracted to us and vice versa, they're going to align, you know, your clients are going to align with you and your values and how you work with them. And the same for me. So to really narrow down, and I would say any younger parents out there, definitely prioritize that time with your kids because it's fleeting. I have, uh, my oldest is a senior in college now. I have a sophomore in college. And then my daughter, who's at the tail end, is only in eighth grade. So I still have all those teen years to go, but it's, it's fleeting. And I think that when you have priorities like family, that comes through and people can see that in you. And I say on my website, I don't promise six figures, but what I do promise is that when you build a strong foundation 
and a personal brand and you have a positive mindset, the sky is the limit. And that sky, that limit is totally dependent on you as a person and what you want. Not everybody wants to make six figures. Not everybody needs to make six figures. Or now we're seeing, you know, seven and eight figures is what people are talking about. And it's like, when is it going to be enough? And when are priorities going to shift so that people are not living for the dollar signs, but living in a way that is truly aligned with who they are, what their values are, and what their purpose is, what they're being called to do. I love what you're saying. And I'm not the only one who loves it. Because I will say that uh, one of my friends down in down under in Sydney, Australia, Alex Austin uh, is watching. Thank you, Alex, for actually chiming in and says it's a really interesting convo. Thanks, Robin and DP. I truly do appreciate that because, you know, when you're doing a podcast, half the time you think you're talking to nobody. Yeah, absolutely. And, 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 half the, and more than half the time, you're probably right. But that doesn't matter because what we're doing right now is we're demonstrating exactly who we are, what we do, and how we do it, and why potentially you might want to talk to us about how we could help you or engage with you in some way. But the key thing is we're not hiding our lights under the proverbial bushel. Now, I know you don't make a big deal about it on your website, but you do mention the fact that your faith and your Christianity is a, a key part of who you are as an individual and yeah. that that's probably not a card you lay out right away when you meet somebody unless they have made it clear that that's very important to them or that they appreciate that and they feel that way themselves can you talk about that because religion and and things like that can be very very scary for people who are thinking about building that personal brand that needs to fit professionally as well. Did you mm -hmm. ever have any trepidation about even typing the word Christian in the copy on your website? So I will be perfectly honest. And yes, I did. But I felt called to do it. And <laughs> I will tell you that the very first coaching client that I had hired me because I was a Christian. And that kind of gave me the confidence to say, you know what, I'm leaving it there. And I haven't thought twice about it since. In fact, I'm redoing the website with, because of the book launching and I left it there. And it's, it's really part of who I am. I live my life based on my Christian values. And if people are looking for someone who's going to help them manifest $10,000 tomorrow, I'm not their person because I don't believe in that. And maybe I'm a minority, but... I believe that I have to adhere to my values and faith is one of those values. And that is exactly why it goes into that recipe or that, that equation, your brand, your personal brand is your value, the, the value you offer, plus the values that inform that value. And mm -hmm. let's face it in the, the way you, okay, I'll admit that I am not a big fan of people who put, the Christian fish, the ichthus, uh, as a code graphic on their website or something like that. Mm -hmm. I am not, I find that it's, it's like Christian commerce. I find that a mm -hmm. little bit distasteful and, or, and it is a taste issue, you know? So mm -hmm. that would naturally uh, encourage me to walk on by. 
you don't go, you don't do that, but you make it clear that this is part of who I am. I never got a whiff of that Christian commerce-ness off you, even while reading your website and going to it, which by the way, listeners, if you want to check out what I'm talking about, go to therobingram.com. Check out what I'm talking about, because you might even have to hit that, that search function to even find the mention of it, because it's there, but you're, you don't have a flashing neon light or anything like that about it. And that's what I think people need to understand is you don't have to share too much information about anything about yourself. But and, uh, the concept I like to call selective authenticity allows you to select the parts that inform you, who you are, what you do and how you do it in a way that is personally comfortable to you and authentic to you. But you don't need to know the names of my dogs or my children. I mention my children all the time. I never mention their names. That mm -hmm. is a conscious choice. Why? They're young women. They have their lives of their own. I don't like posting pictures of them online because... I don't know. I'm their dad. I got to protect them, you know, and, <laughs> but guess what? Protective dad is part of my personal brand because that is a part mm -hmm. of me. Yeah. You know, these things all demonstrate the nuances of who we are as, as human beings. And again, you've mentioned, and I want to go, let's talk about your book. Let's, let's mention the title of your book, because unlike the leaning in that Sheryl Sandberg encouraged women to do about leaning in at the conference table and making stuff known, you're leaning into the fact that anxiety has played a role in your life mm -hmm. and you aren't even afraid to put it in the title of your book. So once again, can you give us the title of the book and talk about how you're handling anxiety in a way that makes it clear that, yes, you may have had that challenge in your life, but you've overcome it. And now you've got mm -hmm. resources and gifts and, and hints and tips for dealing with it. Mm -hmm. So let's talk about your book. What's the title? The title is You, Me, and Anxiety, Take Action Over Anxiety to Enjoy Being You. And that is the title because I am sharing my journey to help other people navigate anxiety whether they are a teen girl or a parent of a teen. And I say teen girl, it, the book could be read by, you know, parents of a teen boy or even a teen boy. But I wrote the book with teen girls in mind. And then there's a parent component because I felt like I needed to help parents as much as I needed to help teens. Dealing with anxiety and navigating life with anxiety is a team effort. It cannot be done alone whether that is alone without a therapist, alone without a parent, whatever, but we need a, a team to support us. We need other humans there to support us and understand what we're going through. And so the book is written with teens in mind to help them navigate this big bad world while living with anxiety. And then to help them understand that they are not alone and to destigmatize mental health. Because so many times, or mental illness, I should say, such as anxiety or depression, because what so often happens is people that have anxiety are judged. They may have some quirks. They may be insecure. They may seem to be shy, but really that anxiety is what's holding them back. And sometimes they have anger issues with it. Sometimes they have physical symptoms. 
that can't be defined. They go to the doctor, people can't identify what they have, no matter what tests they've done. And sometimes parents look at their child and think, oh my gosh, like, what's wrong with them? I can't help them. Is this ever going to get better? And they don't understand what's happening. So if I can shed a little bit light of light on that to help people understand that there is hope, you can thrive after surviving life with anxiety. Some of those tools that I've used are cognitive behavioral therapy. And I took that a step farther and I have what I refer to as my five C's journaling method. And those are catch anxious, negative thought, challenge them. Are they rational? And then set them up against a positive thought on the contrary, and then permanently change that thought so that you're no longer sitting in that place of anxiety, fear, or whatever those negative feelings, thoughts, and emotions are. And then once you have established that these thoughts are not, you've challenged them, they're not rational, you can change them to the positive. And then you can start to control those thoughts over time. And then once you start to control those thoughts over time, you can actually become more confident, feel more confident, and make more confident decision or make decisions more confidently. And so those are the five C's. And I talk a lot about them in the book. And then the two books will actually have a journal to accompany them so that people can take action immediately and work on the anxiety and work on navigating it in a way that not only helps them, but helps the people around them as well. Well, I think that's great. And again, this book is coming out on March 15th of 2022. So I'm guessing by the time this episode airs, it's already available at the house of Jeff Bezos, (laughs) amazon.com or Amazon where you live around the world. Is it going to be available on the various Amazon sites? Yes, absolutely. It will be. And it should also be available. I'm not sure of timelines, but we're hoping to get it in a lot of indie bookshops as well. Well, definitely check that out again. And one more time, the title of that book is? You, Me, and Anxiety, Take Action Over Anxiety to Enjoy Being You. By the Robin Graham. So <laughs> once again, if you need to know what her website is, it's the Robin Graham, not a Robin Graham, but the Robin Graham, because she is the one, the only, and I think if you've paid attention to this conversation and last week's episode as well, you found a a, a new resource and potentially a new friend to help you on your journey. Because again, it's about getting out there and stepping out of the shadows and into your own personal brand spotlight that you've earned your entire life by being exactly who you are, what you do, and how you do it. Violent agreement is a wonderful thing when I have a guest on like Robin Graham. So I want to thank you again for being on the Nonfiction Brand Podcast. We already know therobingram.com is the place to go. But are you active on any social channels that people might want to follow you on? I sure am. I'm on all of them, I guess, basically as the Robin Graham. So you can find me. I'm on Instagram the most. Then I'm also on Facebook. Twitter, not so much, but I definitely have an account there. And then Pinterest and LinkedIn as well. The Robin Graham. Just look for that at sign, The Robin Graham, and you'll find her. Robin, it's been such a treat to have you on the Nonfiction Brand Podcast. I really do appreciate it. And I also appreciate all the listeners and viewers of the live stream who might be paying attention to this show. 
Can you guys do me a solid and like, subscribe, refer, and review this podcast or live stream wherever you watch it? Because that really does help other people find it. That basically wraps things up for the Nonfiction Brand Podcast. I am, of course, your host, D.P. Knutin, and she is... Robin Graham. And I'll be talking at you guys again next week. Bye-bye.